Well, hello everyone. Um, if you're not aware, if you're visiting us or you've just come along in the last couple of weeks, Judith and I have not been around for the last month. Um, so it is really, really good to be back. It's so good to see you all. And um, you know, sometimes when you see people again, you realize how much you've missed them. Um, so looking at you all today, I realize how much I've missed you um, over the last month. It's really, really good to be back, which is good, isn't it? Because it'd be awful to come back after a month off and say, actually, I don't want to be here. Um, so that's good news to start with. I'm really, really happy um, to be back amongst um, the best people in the world. Exactly, yeah, give yourselves a little cheer. Um, it's really exciting that today we get to welcome Jesse Oladamola Babalola. I said to them this morning, I mean, they've taken their time, haven't they? They've really taken it easy, had some rest. This is their first time, and it's, what, like five, six weeks? They had the baby before we went off on our month-long break. But I can't really get on to them, because we've been off for a month as well. So welcome back, guys. Great to have you here, and great to have Jesse um, with us. Fantastic. So, um, we're going to look at the um, scriptures together. Now, Judith is preaching in Longside this morning, so if she walks out um, partway through my preach, um, it's because she might have to go um, and preach there. So don't think, because I'm just conscious that you're sat right at the front there. So if she gets up and walks out, I haven't offended her um, with what I'm preaching this morning. Okay. Um, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 to 18 together. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. 
Jesus is full of grace and truth. Jesus, the one we've worshipped together this morning, the one that we've remembered who gave his body, his body broken um, for the forgiveness of our sins, his blood shed for us, the one who loves us, the one from whose love we can never be separated, our Jesus, the Jesus that we worship, God the Son, the one and only Son of the Father, he is full of grace and truth. He came from the Father, full of grace and truth, to reveal the Father's glory. Jesus came, John tells us in the passage we've just read, Jesus came into our world full of grace and truth. And out of that fullness, he makes the Father known to us. He reveals the glory of who God is so that we can know him. Full of grace and truth. He enables us to know God. You know, that has always been the mission of God. That's always been God's plan and purpose to be known. To be known in all of his creation. For all of his creation to be full of the knowledge of him. And his, what we call his glory, his wow, his splendor, his magnificence. Everything that is beautiful and glorious about him. He's always wanted us to know him. He wants you to know him, not just to know facts about him, but to know him, to know him intimately, to know him personally, to be close to him. God wants to be known by you. And so determined was God that he would be known by you and by me, that he came in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. We're going to think a little bit about that word grace this morning. Harris, I think, in the Greek. Um, It's a shame that Grace, or Harris, as her proper name is, Yanni's sister, isn't here this morning. So I think he's going to like video a little bit just to send to her, um, because she'll like what I've got to say um, about grace this morning. And the meaning of grace, the meaning of that Greek word, Harris, Um, that we read in our Bibles. I mean, if you've grown up as a Christian or if you've been around church for a while, you may have come across kind of definitions of grace. There's a a good traditional evangelical definition of grace, the unmerited favor of God, the undeserved favor of God. When we get the good things that we don't deserve, we describe that as the grace of God. And of course, the the classic um, evangelical definition would center on the death of Jesus Christ on our behalf. When he died for us so that our sins could be forgiven, so that our sin could be put on him and his righteousness could be put on us, we define that as grace, the undeserved favor of God. We deserve to spend an eternity without him. We deserve, because of our rejection of God, because we went our own way, we were doing our own thing, we deserve to be eternally separated from God. But out of his goodness, he came near to us and he poured out his love upon us and he died on a cross for us and he rose again from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he pours out the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's the grace of God. 
But the danger is that those kind of definitions become kind of theoretical theology for us. We get used to it. We get used to that truth. As amazing and awesome as it is when we stop and think about it, it becomes kind of old hat almost. It's like, yeah, yeah, Jesus died on the cross and he rose again and he ascended into heaven and he poured out. It just becomes like theory for us. You know, that word grace, that word Harris, it is a beautiful word. It is such a beautiful word that conveys so much more than dry, theoretical, theological knowledge. That word Harris speaks of beauty. It speaks of joy. It speaks of sweetness, pleasure, and delight. That's why I said Harris would like it um, this morning. Beauty, joy, sweetness, pleasure, and delight. Jesus was full of beauty. Not in his physical appearance. The the prophets even tell us that in the scriptures. There was going to be nothing about him in his natural appearance that would attract us to him. So it's not saying that he was the most stunning looking. I have nothing to say against Jesus. I'm sure he looked okay. But, But it's not that he was, you know, stunningly attractive physically. But there was a beauty to who he is as a person. There is a sweetness to who he is. We talk about taste and see that the Lord is good. It's hard to describe when we realize that we're talking about a person, but there is a beauty and a sweetness to his personhood, to his personality, to his character, to who he is that would attract you to him. There is a pleasure and a delight in who he is as a person. And in secular Greek language, outside of the New Testament, that word was used in everyday language to describe the qualities that a person might possess that would attract the favor of others. So if you had grace, if you had Harris, you, you were, you, we, we kind of use the word the same way, don't we? Because we say that, that person is very gracious. There's something about their personality. There's something about who they are. There's something, we even use it, it kind of has the sense of movement, this word. So we talk about someone moving graciously, don't we? It's not, it's not clumsy, it's not heavy, it's not forced, but there's a, a beauty and a flow and a sweetness and a, and a goodness. And that word would be used in their everyday language to describe those qualities that the person possessed and the favor that they obtained from people as a result of having those qualities. So there was something beautiful and gracious and glorious and sweet about them. And because of that, you would say that they obtained grace. They obtained favor. Everybody just thinks they're wonderful. Everyone just thinks they're amazing. You like to be described in that kind of way. Full of grace. Full of grace. You see, Jesus is so beautiful. Jesus is so perfect. Jesus is so sweet in who he is that he attracts the favor of God the Father. Everything about who he is is so perfect, is so sublime, is so wonderful, is so glorious that God the Father is pleased to pour out his favor upon Jesus the Son. 
John is describing this beautiful perfection that is Jesus. He's full of grace and truth. He is perfect in every way. There is nothing deficient about who he is. And as God the Son, he walks in the divine favor of God the Father. God is pleased with him. God delights in him. He looks at the Son and he doesn't think, oh, well, do you know what? I'll love him anyway. Yeah? He never has that, he never has that kind of issue in his parenthood. Some of you may have had that issue. You know, may have had the odd moment when you've just gritted your teeth and thought, well, I'll love them anyway. Um, but God the Father looks at God the Son and he delights in him. He's perfect. He's beautiful. He's glorious. He walks in the divine favor of God the Father. He is full of grace. But as the New Testament starts to specifically apply this word Harris to us, and Paul uses that word um, loads in his letters, it quickly becomes clear that the favor we receive is based on his gracious qualities and not ours. So when we read about the grace that God gives to us, the grace that he lavishes upon us is not because we had all this beauty and sweetness and, uh, 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 and pleasure and delight in and of ourselves, but he gives us grace, he gives us favor because of the favor that Jesus carries. This is the, the wonder of the gospel, that the, the favor that God gives to us is because Jesus has all this sweetness and beauty and glory, and our, because of his favor, he puts that favor on to us. So in John 1.16, we read, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Out of the fullness of Christ, out of all the beauty and the beautiful grace and the, the favor that he walks in, we have received favor from God. You have received favor from God out of the favor that Jesus walks in. Not because of who you are, but entirely because of who he is. Now this, this phrase that in my translation, um, it, it's the, the newest NIV, it says, grace in place of grace already given. You may have grace upon grace in your translation. Literally, it means grace for grace. Grace for grace. Now I really like that, because what it's saying here is that you have received favor for favor. Yeah? So you weren't able to... Be gracious enough in yourself to obtain the favor of God. Yeah? So he gave you the favor that would provoke him to give you more favor. Isn't that fantastic? He gave you the favor that you needed in order... If grace is the qualities that provoke someone to show you favor, he gave you the favor that you needed in order to provoke his favor. He gave you the grace that you needed for grace. He gave you grace for grace. He just loves you so much. 
He delights in you so much that he says, I want to delight in you. And let's be honest, you're not delightful enough in and of yourself. So I'll put all my delightfulness on you and then I'll delight in you. He puts the sweetness and the glory and the beauty and the majesty and the perfection of Jesus on you. And then he goes wild about you because he says, look at you. You have my favor. I love to lavish my favor upon you because I've given you favor for favor. Grace for grace. You weren't able to earn God's favor for yourself. You weren't sweet enough. You weren't beautiful enough. You weren't gracious enough. So God bestowed those things upon you. He made you beautiful. He made you sweet He made you pleasurable and delightful. He made you gracious because he loves you. He made you sweet, glorious, gracious and beautiful so that he could pour out even more favor upon you. But John said that Jesus didn't only come full of grace, but he came full of grace and truth. So let's just think about that for a moment. When we've done something wrong, our natural instinct is to try to hide it, isn't it? When we've um, broken something, you know when something just like falls apart in your hands? The natural instinct, let's be honest, is just to try and put it back how it was. And maybe the next person can come along and, and it can fall apart in their hands too. I mean, probably it, someone else already did that, right? So it wasn't your fault anyway. And, but when you do it, there's just like this instinctive reaction, isn't there? That when, when we do something wrong, when we, we feel shame, we feel shame. We don't, we don't want people to know about our weakness. We don't want to know people to know about our failing. If we know that we've made a poor decision, if we know that we've done something wrong, we've done something sinful even, then we have this natural reaction to want to hide. And that's what happened right in the very beginning when Adam and Eve made the wrong decision, when they rejected relationship with God, like all of us have done ever since, and gone their own way and done their own thing. What was their reaction? They hid from God. They hid from God in the garden. They felt shame. There's something very, very vulnerable about the negative things about us being exposed. Something very vulnerable about our weaknesses and our failings, the poor decisions that we've made, the wrong decisions that we've made. There's something very vulnerable about coming into the light. There's this, there's this kind of feeling of nakedness, isn't there? There's this feeling of, of exposure, of, of other people seeing, of God seeing, of God knowing. And so our natural tendency is to want to hide. And shame feels like the opposite of favor. Shame feels like the very opposite of favor. Because how will God delight in us? How will God pour out his grace and his favor upon us? How will he say, look, this is my son or my daughter. This is my child in whom I'm well pleased. How can he say that when we've just been caught in the middle of something shameful? And so, If we want God's favor, if we want to stay in good relationship with God, our kind of natural human logic is hide it. Hide it. Don't expose that. Don't let that be seen. 
we want to stay in somebody's good books, and we're tempted to try and cover up anything that might disappoint them. And yet Jesus calls us to come into his light. Jesus, we are told, is the light of the world. In him there is no darkness at all, that God dwells in unapproachable light. He brings all things into the open. The scriptures are absolutely full of the power of the truth and the light and how God wants to call us out of darkness and into light. And it can be for us a really scary, kind of terrifying prospect, the thought of coming out of those, the safety of the shadows and having all that we are exposed in the light before God. But that's what he does. Jesus is full of grace and truth. He doesn't cover up the truth. He doesn't pretend that the truth didn't happen. He doesn't cover over. He doesn't say, well, you know, do you know what? You can have my favor because we'll pretend that you didn't do the things that weren't worthy of favor. He is full of truth. He invites us to come out of the shadows so that we don't have to hide anymore. And that we can stand unashamed in the light. This is the beauty of our gospel. Jesus, the, the beautifully gracious, sweet, delightful son of God, carries all the favor that we need. And we just have to depend upon that favor, upon that grace, as we come out of the shadows and we stand unashamed in the light because the only way to live in true relationship with God is to come out of the shadows and to live in the light. Do you remember we said that the purpose of God, his heart's desire for each of us is that we would know him, is that we would live in relationship with him and you cannot grow closer and closer and closer to God. You cannot build your relationship with God if you insist on hiding in the shadows of untruth. You have to come out of the shadows. You have to face. He is gracious. He is tender. He is merciful and he is kind. But you have to trust him. You have to trust him that his grace will be enough for you when you come out of the shadows and into his light. We need not fear the truth when we depend upon his grace. Jesus, full of grace and truth, gives us grace out of his own fullness so that we can know the God that could otherwise never be truly known. You can know God. You can live in an honest, real, vulnerable relationship with God. You can be real about who you really are. I don't mean just the things that you've finally admitted to and you're comfortable with other people knowing. I mean those of you that are already walking with God. I mean the stuff that's still going on in your life. 
I mean the thoughts that you're still wrestling with. I mean the, the disappointments or the lack of faith that you feel or the, 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 the hopelessness that you feel at times or the, or the feelings of anger or bitterness or the, the things you, you desperately try and pretend that you don't feel. I mean all of that stuff. You can be real with God. You can live an honest relationship with God. You can bring it all to him and you can step into his light because his grace is there for you. His favor is there for you because of his beauty and his majesty and his glory and his perfection. We can know God and we can be known by God. We can live in the fullness of his love and goodness. And it's all because of his grace and truth. So, just to close with, I want to give us three consequences of this truth that I've proclaimed to you today about his grace and truth. Firstly this, if you are living in the shadows, you can come into the light. Now, this could apply to us on a number of levels. It may be that you've come to us today and you're not currently a Christian. You're not walking with God. Maybe you've never ever heard about this, this thing we call the gospel. Maybe you've never heard about this Jesus who loves you and, and died on a cross and, and gave his life for your life, that, that you could know God, that you could be forgiven, that you could follow him, that you could have a future in him. He invites you, if that's you today, he invites you to come out of the shadows of living your own way, of coming out of the shadows of all the things that you feel guilt and shame over in your life and to let his light shine upon you, to trust him enough to say, Jesus, I believe, I believe what I've heard today. I believe that you are real. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead and I believe that you offer me a new future with you and I give my life into your hands. You can come out of the shadows and you can step into the light. And it's a bold and a scary and courageous decision, but you can do that today. But equally, if you're here today and you've been following Jesus maybe for years, but you know that there are still areas in your life in which you are living in the shadows. Maybe you're here today and you know, hand on heart, that really you're living a double life. You know that there are things that you'd be so embarrassed if people here in this room know about. You know that there's areas of darkness in your life. Maybe it's just one little contained area, something that you've just not been able to deal with. Maybe it's a whole major area. Maybe it's, it's a complete, you know, maybe you're living a lie. Whatever it is, wherever you're at, if you're living in the shadows, you can come into the light. You don't have to be terrified. You don't have to be afraid. You can trust in his goodness, in his grace, in his favor. God will shower favor upon you, not because of who you are or what you did, but because of his beauty and his glory and his sweetness. There's grace for you today. Hebrews 4:16 says this, "Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need." Despite the fact that God dwells in unapproachable light, that as you approach the throne, it gets lighter and lighter. You can't approach the throne of God in the shadows. 
You can't remain in darkness. You can't keep things hidden. If you want to come close to God, you have to come into the light. But as you approach that throne, you realize that it is a throne of grace. It is a throne of goodness, of mercy, of tenderness and compassion. You realize that as you approach the throne, that God loves to shower his favor and his delight upon you. Let us boldly approach the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace in our time of need. Come out of the shadows, my friends. Come out of the shadows and determine that you will live your life in the light of his grace. For some of you, this is a regular, ongoing decision, a reminder, a provocation to do that again. But for some of this, this is a significant moment. A moment ordained by the Spirit of God that he had prepared for you to call you back to himself. It is time to let go of those things. Let go of those things that keep you in the shadows. To come out of the darkness and into his light. Secondly, his grace will enable you to become more like him. The grace of God doesn't just let us off the hook. Like we were saying earlier, the grace of God doesn't turn a blind eye. Because remember, he is full of grace and truth. So it's not that he's going to cover up. It's not that he's going to pretend. It's not that he's going to say to you, do you know what? I've got a plan. My father will never know. I'll just keep it between you and me, and and, and you'll get away with it. No! Jesus brings everything into the light. Do you know what the scripture says in Titus 2, 11 to 14? Let's just read that together. Titus 2, 11 to 14. It's one of those tricky ones to find. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appointing, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to live upright, holy lives. The grace of God, the favour of God towards you isn't about God saying, well, I pretend you didn't do that. It's about God bringing you into the light and saying, now I will help you to remain in the light. Now I will help you to grow in godliness and holiness. Now I'll empower you and strengthen you to say no to ungodliness. If you've been grappling with the shadows, if you've been grappling with sin, if you've been struggling with temptation, God's grace to you enables you, empowers you, helps you to be transformed. He doesn't just say, do you know what? I'm going to let you off what you've done in the past, but I'm giving you one more chance. And you make the same mistake again and that's it, we're done, we're finished. No, he says to you, do you know what? I've seen what you've done. You've come into the light and now I am going to give you all of my goodness, all of my glory, all of my grace and I'm going to help you to live the kind of life that you were made for. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be pouring my goodness and my beauty and my perfection upon you. And if you mess up again, then come back into the light again. Come back into the light again and we'll keep going. And my grace will be there for you and we'll keep going together. If you become discouraged, 
If you've become frustrated, I want to encourage you today. The grace of God is there for you. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, Peter says the grace of God means that we have all that we need for life and godliness. In 2 Corinthians 12, from the second half of verse 7 to verse 9, Paul is talking about his own struggles and his weakness. And he says, you know what? The grace of God is sufficient for me. The grace of God is enough for me. For all my challenges and all my struggles, when everything feels hard and everything feels difficult, nevertheless, I'm convinced that God's favor will see me through. I know sometimes we're tempted to give up. I've been there. I know sometimes we're frustrated. I know sometimes we feel overwhelmed. But be encouraged, my friend. The favor of God is upon your life. The favor of God God's smile, God's goodness, God's beauty and perfection is towards you. You have got the favor of God. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Don't give up. Don't give up, my friends. Do not give up. Don't abandon your faith. But be strong and hold firm. God's favor is upon you and is for you. His grace will enable you to be transformed And to become more like him. And thirdly this. His grace will empower you to help others to know him. In Romans chapter 1 verse 1 to 6. Paul talks about his apostleship. And apostleship is all about being sent into this world as a messenger of God. And of course Paul an apostle. But Part of being an apostle is all about equipping God's people to be apostolic, to be sent, to be messengers, to be witnesses to who God truly is. And Paul says, I've received this grace and apostleship. You see, he puts them together. He he puts together the call of God upon his life that, that sends him, that commissions him to proclaim the gospel. He puts that together with grace because he needs grace. Remember, he's the one that said, his grace is enough for me. When I feel like I can't keep going, I depend upon the grace of God. The grace of God empowers him for witness. The grace of God empowers him to keep going with that for which he is still in the world. Interestingly, in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, he says, I am what I am by the grace of God. We all have different gifts. We all have different talents. God will use us all to witness to who he is in different kinds of ways. Some people may be, you know, particularly proficient in in gifts of healing. Some people may move really powerfully in the prophetic. Some people may be just really great at hospitality. Some people may be really fantastic at at serving people and making them feel valuable and special. Some people may be great at coming alongside the the lost and broken and, and downtrodden. Some people may be champions for justice. God will use us all in all kinds of different ways. But you know the word that the Bible uses to describe these different manifestations of the Spirit, it talks about charismata, gifts of grace, the grace of God, the favor of God, producing something of God's power in your life. God using you to touch the lives of others, not because you were something special in and of yourself, but because of Jesus, he's put his favor upon you. And now you get to move in that beauty You get to flow in that graciousness. And yes, sometimes we mess it up. 
Yes, yeah, sometimes we're not gracious. Yes, yeah, sometimes that, that humanity comes out. But he is gracious. And even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. And his mercy is anew for us every single morning. And so we renew ourselves in the grace of God. And we determine that we will live in the grace of God. My friends, there is no other way to live other than in the divine favor of God. When God has made his divine favor available to us, favor that means that we can come out of the shadows we were hiding and stand boldly and confidently before the throne of God, Favor that means he will work in our lives that we might become more like him in our character. And favor that means that he will supernaturally empower us and commission us and send us to be a witness to him. When we have that kind of favor available to us, why would we choose to live any other way? What an amazing gospel. Jesus came full of grace and truth. And out of that fullness, we have received grace upon grace. Amen. I commend you all to the grace of God.